Hi everyone, I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. And this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. Today's topic is a little weird. There's no light way of entering this topic. Like so many other topics, it's like, oh, here's a fun story of my weekend that like perfectly and flawlessly forces us into this conversation. But like this topic is not light. (laughs) No. You know what I mean? The word itself gives me acid reflux. I think it's interesting because when we decided on the topic for today's episode, I started realizing that I've heard that word a million times. Like if you are a millennial or whatever, the the word narcissist or narcissism is just like part of your regular vernacular. You know what I mean? But I was like, I nerded out and I was like, all right, I'm going to look at the history of this word. And this Mm -hmm. word wasn't really made, at least in English, until the 19th century even though the origins of the word come from like Greek mythology. You know, do you know, do you know the story of like where the word narcissist came from? I don't know word for word the history. So do enlighten me, please. Oh my God, here, I'm going to enlighten you um, with my Wikipedia (laughs) series. So the term narcissist comes from this Greek myth about this guy called Narcissus or Narcissus. I don't know how they pronounce it in Greek. So Narcissus was this like, hot ass hunter like this motherfucker was so fucking hot and everyone wanted to tap his ass i love that story <laughs> this is how I, I should teach greek mythology in college this sounds like the classic description of a narcissist though they usually are attractive and very charming people so narcissist was really really attractive and he rejected all of these like romantic advances and then he was cursed to fall in love with his own reflection. And so one day he like looked at himself in a river or something and he just like fell in love. And then he just sat there and and stared at himself till he died. And then he died and then this flower came out and the flower, which comes from it's, I think the flower is also called Narcissus is actually just like a white daffodil. It's not that pretty. Like the Greek myth is that he he became this beautiful flower. But I looked at the picture of the flowers and I got to say, if I got a bouquet of those flowers, I'd be like, I mean, it's fine, but <laughs> it's not the most beautiful flower I've ever seen. So this term in the 19th centuries became sort of like formed. And I think it was formed. And I, th- this is not research. This is just me guessing. But with the advent of like psychology and psychoanalysts and and psychoanalysis and so i think that probably is the cause of why this word came to be but we're in a really interesting time in history where the word narcissist is at like peak usage we've never in history yeah. used the term narcissistic or narcissist more than now and a lot of it i think has to do with the internet Yeah, social media, selfies. Yeah. Everyone's like, like, oh, she's a narcissist. Yes. We all have narcissistic tendencies. There's a difference, right? And and growing up, I just, I thought the same thing. I thought a narcissist was just someone who was really into themselves, kind of like Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. He, any chance he could to see his own reflection, he'd take that opportunity. Yeah. But that's not all. You can be narcissistic. You can have some narcissistic tendencies as anyone can. 
But then there's narcissistic personality disorder, which is an actual clinical disorder. Yeah. And like right now online, it's exactly what you're saying. I stumbled upon an article from the psychologist who was like, all right, um, yeah, okay, cool. Love that we're using the word. Um, let's use it, right? Because just because <laughs> someone loves their self, their like gym selfies doesn't mean that they have narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. They're, they just got a hot bod and like they like it and that's and all right. They like and, it and they're confident. Good. And they're confident. So there, there is this like weird definition of it that I think because of social media, we've we've established a new definition of it that's more like the greek story it doesn't touch upon like what narcissistic personality disorder actually is which is a very manipulative type of person like narcissist didn't really hurt anyone other than himself do you know what i mean and narcissist in the like clinical definition definitely do and i know sigmund freud studied narcissism and he said that one's libido and i'm not talking sexual libido but what he means by libido is energy that is within a person's survival instincts, whether it's directed inward towards themselves or outward towards others. And that's what separates NPD from regular folk. I, wait, I, did, I, I got lost. Because honestly, I hate Freud. So like you said Freud and I sort of blanked out because that motherfucker was insane and wrong well, about a lot. But, but so wait, so so say that again because I didn't get it. So like there's there's like an urge to survive that's both internal and external. Well, he said that narcissism is connected to whether one's libido is directed inward or outward. Outward is towards others and inward is towards yourself, like you're only out for yourself. And oh. in the grand scheme of things, they really are only looking out for number one. That's it. Oh, okay. Well, so I read also that like narcissism is affects men more than women on average. And I found that really interesting because all of the male uh, psychoanalysts I read said like, yeah, narcissism exists in everyone and everyone has this and it's not necessarily a bad thing. And like, and then he, in comes this female psychoanalyst called, and I'm so sorry about the name. This is the worst name. I don't, I cannot think of a worse name than this name. Karen Horney. Wow. Yeah. It's so funny because there's a building really near my house called Karen Horney Clinic. And my entire life, I was like, what the fuck is this? But I never really researched it. And then because of this episode, now I understand that's probably like a mental health clinic. And she was just a badass lady. I would make fun of this building <laughs> every time I passed the Karen Horney Clinic. Karen or Horney like, Clinic. Or these, like a clinic where a bunch of horny Karens come and... <laughs> That's fine. We're, we can all be 12 sometimes. <laughs> so Karen Horney was this badass psychoanalyst. And she was like, actually, um, narcissism, I don't know if it's like natural for us to be narcissistic. Like all these male psycho psychoanalysts were like, yeah, narcissism, there's, there's a lot of healthy narcissism and it's in our nature. And Karen was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's no. true. I actually think that this narcissism also isn't someone really loving themselves too much. It's someone having really deep insecurities. And, and a lot of shame and a lot of shame and in order to like balance that and sort of this sort of dislike of oneself, their brain almost just like overcompensates in a sense. And I was like, yo, Karen, like you're smart. You know what I mean? I'm horny for your thoughts. Um, I'm so sorry. That's the, that's the so best sorry. way to interpret this now. We are horny for Karen Horny's thoughts, y'all. Because she got it. God damn it. It's not fucking. Look, I hate to throw the, the word normal around. I almost said horny. <laughs> I mean, better. It's just there at the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> That's what she said. I, you know, because I know there's a lot of discussion now, like normal and 
you know, that's there's no real normal. I get it. But going off of what you just said, no, contrary to what all these dudes were saying, this is not this should not be considered the norm. People with narcissistic personality disorder can be and are quite dangerous. Yeah. In the workplace, in their romantic relationships, in friendships, they are quite dangerous. And I know because I've dealt with them. But also, I will say, I think that there's probably a lot of narcissists out there more than we know. Oh, for sure. And some of them might understand there's I think the, the what makes it dangerous is that they're unaware that they're they have so it. So unaware. And you yeah. cannot tell them they're a narcissist. No. Or they will explode and potentially try to ruin your life okay you have to tell me the story with this narcissist because there's clearly a massive story here because like i have a couple and they never really destroyed like a friendship or anything it was like oh this guy i'm dating is for sure a narcissist so i'm just gonna nip it in the bud or like oh yeah my friend's parent is a narcissistic parent and it's really toxic this crazy lady in my one of my best friend's wedding was like just making the entire wedding about herself. And this is like a, a pattern she did where it's like my friend's life was just a pure function of herself. My friend is not an individual. My friend is her daughter, therefore a reflection of her. And mm -hmm. if she's happy and, sh and, and the mom is not, it's unacceptable. Or if she does something the mom doesn't want her to do, she breaks down and is abusive. And like in this wedding day, tenía una pataleta montada, llorando like a crazy lady. And I, I grabbed her and I was like, listen, biatch, you need to either lock yourself in your hotel room and shut the fuck up or stop crying and making this about yourself. Wow. And she... <laughs> How did she react to that? Well, one of the wedding planning assistants was like there and she was like, <sighs> and she brought us both a shot of tequila <laughs> and we took it. Oh, boy. And she was like, she like held it together. But like, I was, I was scared to do it. It was, I, I would have never done it if the stakes weren't this high. Like she was <laughs> refusing to get into the limo, but like my whole life I had seen her act this way. And I just thought she was a weird mom. But then I'm like, oh no, she like take the mom element out. She is a narcissist and mm -hmm. it manifested in a very bizarre way as a mother to my friend. Oh boy, that's terrible. So without naming any names. Clearly we cannot do that or the narcissist will come out and feed on my flesh. <laughs> yeah, tell me a story of what went down. Cause I think what happens to a lot of people and I think it happens to me is like, it took me like 32 years to realize that people bring their own baggage and it's not my fault a lot of the Yes. Time. Well, classic narcissist behavior is that they project a lot because they could never do no wrong. But for context, for those wondering like what classifies someone as having narcissistic personality disorder, there's obviously a test. You have to actually be analyzed by a professional, a psychiatrist and whatnot. But something that my therapist told me multiple times because I've had to go to my therapist on a couple of occasions when I've had to deal with a narcissist. Specifically, in recent years for me, it's been in friendships, but then in more recent times, my downstairs neighbor. You mean your literal downstairs neighbor? My literal downstairs neighbor. Oh, and I thought that was again, a metaphor no. for something, like the depths of your despair or something. <laughs> no, it's just like the person that lives underneath you. The person that lives underneath me. And again, I am not one to diagnose anyone. Neither is my therapist, unless my therapist is personally seeing them as a client or patient. But after studying narcissism so much, because I have suffered immensely over the years due to narcissists, 
somehow attaching themselves to me and making my life hell, I've had to learn about it to protect myself. And so, again, I don't throw this term around loosely, but after all the research that I've done and figured out my downstairs neighbor, I can safely say she definitely exhibits a lot of narcissistic personality disorder traits. Same with a couple of these other friends. So this neighbor, tell me some examples where like red flags came your way. So I've only lived in this house for a year and it's the first home that we purchased. We were off to the wrong start with her. Mm -hmm. For a little bit of background, she's not that old. She's in her early 50s. She's a white woman. Another Karen, but she's not horny. So she's not one of the good ones. Yeah, and I'll just call her Karen for now. (laughs) She's lived here since 1997. So she's lived here for a very goddamn long time. When I first moved here, she left a note on my door, being very passive aggressive and Karen-like, talking to me and my husband about the noise levels and how to be a considerate neighbor and how she's had issues with the noise levels in years past with the other owners, and but still being very pleasant and nice. But my husband and I, being from Miami and having dealt with the worst kinds of human beings, we can see right through her Karen-ness. Throughout the year, she would occasionally copy me in emails with the HOA, Homeowners Association, complaining about the noises that she hears upstairs in our home. But again, not directly placing blame on us, but on the structural issues of the house and how she demands that it get fixed because she's losing sleep and her health is going downhill and yada yada. And I started hearing through the grapevine, through some people in on the HOA board, that she single-handedly drove out the first two owners of my condo. Oh my God, this bitch is like a ghost. She's a real life haunting. Yes, she is a real life haunting. And so that's why me and my husband kind of knew like, okay, we kind of know her deal. She's been like this for a while. So any second now she's going to pop. Well, it happened recently. Oh Um, my God. It was really bad. It's like she couldn't hold her narcissism and her Karenosity back any longer. She just unleashed like the Incredible Hulk. Early December, my husband and I hear her bitching about us through the bathroom wall. So, like, if anyone is being loud, it's her. Well, she was basically screaming at someone about how loud, because I was cleaning my bedroom, but I wasn't using a vacuum. It was 10 o'clock at night. I was just putting clothes away. And she's like, what the fuck are they doing up there? I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to get legal involved. And you would think that the both of them collectively weighed 500 pounds. But if you saw them, they're like walking sticks and blah, 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 blah. And I knew something was about to happen at some point. Four days later, she sends this massive email copying me and the HOA. Again, not placing blame on me and my husband, but just being like, that's it. If by this date, you guys don't fix my fucking soundproofing, I'm gonna charge. It was a whole thing. She like listed all kinds of codes and laws and regulations and decibels, but showed no proof that she had any professional come in to do any of this testing. So my husband and I go away for the holidays. We come back. Literally the next day after returning, I was having a Crohn's flare up. So when you have irritable bowel disease, you can have a flare up, meaning I have to use the bathroom more often. Okay, it's oh common. God, Jenny, I'm I am so afraid with where this is going. Please oh, this don't is tell me. so. Please do not tell me that she. Oh, oh it's coming. God. Oh, it's coming. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. So it's 1.30 in the morning. My husband and I go to bed pretty late, between midnight and 2 a.m. We're not fucking jumping on the couch and throwing a rave in our fucking living room. We're just watching TV and living our goddamn lives. We get ready for bed. 
I use the bathroom. I flush the toilet. I accidentally drop a small bottle of Tylenol from my bathroom counter onto the floor. And then I take my medications next to my bed. And while I'm in the bathroom, I hear a pop, 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 pop in the wall. She's never done this before. So my husband and I are like, was that her? Because again, our bedroom is on top of her bedroom. The same floor plan. So I look at my phone and lo and behold, there's a text message from her. And uh, I've had to repeat this story so much that I have it pretty much memorized. She goes, Jenny, it's 1.30 in the morning. Come on. Flushing toilets, dropping things, opening drawers. I don't think you realize how loud you guys are. And we're tired of being woken up. So I'm like, okay, again, I always approach things first with kindness because I, again, I treat everyone as if they're not a narcissist, meaning they should have the capacity to empathize, which again, one of the classic signs of someone with narcissistic personality disorder, aside from being self-centered and having a grand sense of self, it's that they lack empathy. So this was the big test, one of the big tests. I write her immediately and I go, Karen, I have Crohn's disease and I'm sorry, I'm in the middle of a flare up. I almost went to the hospital for this. I, if I need to use the bathroom, I need to use the bathroom. And I'm sorry that I dropped my medication on the floor. No. <laughs> Ooh boy. I thought, okay, once I explain to her that I have Crohn's, she's gonna understand and maybe feel a little bad. Nope. I wake up to a giant block of text from her saying, that doesn't mean that you should flush the toilet. You should wait until the morning to flush it like I do. And oh my God. she's like, you guys are some of the most inconsiderate neighbors I've ever had. Like you need to look up, you know, you need to Google how to be considerate neighbors. I can hear everything. She put it in quotes, meaning she can hear us bang. Dude, she went all, she went off on me. Like she was just holding on and holding on because she's done this to the past two neighbors. Now, the reason why I know this, I, I swear to God, I could have been a detective. Yo no me I don't, like, I'm like, okay, people must have dirt on this bitch. Well, you better believe multiple neighbors who have lived here for 20 plus years all have similar stories of harassment from her, both physical, verbal, in writing. They sent me piles of emails of receipts she would basically tell the last two homeowners here verbatim the same shit she told me about Googling how to be a, <laughs> a considerate neighbor. She said that to the last lady. The last lady left and the lady before that left because of her and her bullying. And narcissists, a lot of them have bully tendencies. Right now, I th what you're describing is for me like is a psychotic person. I see the lack of empathy, but does she speak in a way that like aggrandizes herself? Yes. It's very me, me, me. Mm. When I spoke to my therapist about her and like all the texts that she sent, she's like, Jenny, this woman does not care about being a good neighbor to you. She doesn't care about what you and your husband think about her mm -hmm. and even having a good relationship with you guys as a neighbor. She's caring about her own self because in the big block of text, she's like, I have a blood disorder and I I'm losing blood and I can't sleep and I'm getting ear infections from having to stick stuff in my ears so I don't hear you. Joanna, I promise you we are pretty fucking quiet the stuff that she complains about is like she even said i hear it when you put a cup on the table she's talking about that she can't stand that there's human beings existing and living normal lives above her ceiling i mean why doesn't she move to montana like just get a fucking 
cabin in the woods by herself. So she'd probably get pissed at the deer for like waking her up. So there's an article that specifically goes into the details of having a narcissistic neighbor. She checks all the boxes. Basically, they are high conflict individuals and they will find anything and everything to complain about. So with past neighbors, even people that weren't living above her, I'm talking the lady across from us, got bullied relentlessly by her in person and in writing. She would leave nasty notes on her door saying, you better clean up your plants. This is a shared space. It's hideous. She would throw fits when people would put decorations out. She would throw a fit about just about anything under the sun. And that is a sign of a high conflict narcissistic neighbor. Oh, my God. She actually started harassing the woman across from us simply because the woman suggested that she play classical music for her very yappy Pomeranian. Back then, she had a very loud and yappy Pomeranian. And Karen? Yes, Karen. Okay, so Karen had a loud dog. And the noise bothered the neighbors, but they were all, you know, it's a communal space. Like we're, we're in very close quarters. So it's, it's one of those things that everyone was just kind of like, well, you know. So one day, the woman across, very kindly, with zero attitude or aggression, approached Karen and suggested that she play classical music for the dog so that maybe it wouldn't bark so much when she was away. For the next five years after that, Karen would call this person a bitch anytime she saw her. She would continually verbally harass any chance she could. This was not just the only occurrence. She, she did this to multiple neighbors, to multiple people, spe specifically women. She just bullied everyone relentlessly. But then when something was pointed out that she did potentially wrong, even if it was done with kindness, it was not met very well. This is another narcissist thing. You cannot tell them that they're doing something wrong. They will lash out. Mm. They can never be in the wrong. I think narcissists ultimately don't like themselves, but they like to lash out to other people because it's easier to hate others than hate yourself. <laughs> well, that's a big part of it. Right, because there's a narcissist very close to me. I think they're kind of narcissistic. I mean, that's sort of, I mean, they're like functional narcissist, but anytime you tell this person, that like what they're doing is wrong or hurtful or whatever, they immediately lash out. They lash out. Because they cannot, they cannot comprehend a world where you, you see the dark side of them. Mm -hmm. Like they don't want you to see it. And you know, this person specifically, they, I think they came from an abusive home. Like I think their parents weren't particularly loving to them. And I think that is likely why they are so always it's about how great they are, which is so weird coming from like a, a self-deprecating person. It's so bizarre to meet someone that just talks highly about themselves all the time. Like, it's just weird. It's like, are you a child? Do I have to like clap because you painted inside the lines? Like the fuck. But like the moment I would say like, hey, you know, that that kind of hurt my feelings when you did that. They'd be like, well, you're fucking oversensitive. Oh, yeah. And like, and like, well, that seems like your problem. You can't have a heart to heart. And again, I'm speaking based off my own experience, not just with this neighbor. Again, I've actually dealt with it more personally with a couple of friendships, mm -hmm. you know, and it's especially hard with a friend because, again, there's different types of narcissism. When people think of narcissism, they think of the Gastons of the world, the very grandiose. The narcissus, the, the yes. hot guy who thinks he's hot and thinks he's kind of better than everyone. But that's yeah. not really what it... There's different... There's covert narcissism, 
which is very common. And it's why it takes some people a long time to realize, oh, my God, I'm dating a narcissist or I'm married to a narcissist or my best friend is a narcissist because they could potentially be covert narcissists. And there's also communal narcissists. Have you heard of communal? I mean, are those just narcissists that get together and just narcissists <laughs> each other? No, it's really interesting. They basically love to brag about how generous they are and how wonderful they are. It's almost like uh -huh. they promote how good of a person they are. Um, yeah. So it's like if your narcissist friend helps you one time, they will use that against Forever. you in the future. They will they will like throw that in your face. A simple thing that they do for a friend, like for you, it's like, oh, yeah, I help my friend do X, Y, Z. No big deal. You move on and you forget about it. Mm -hmm. A narcissist, especially communal narcissists, they see that one thing they did for you as like a Mother Teresa level service. Like I helped you move and that means I saved yes. your life and you owe me yours. Yes man like joanna this is so fascinating and again i feel overwhelmed with my adhd because there's so much information jam-packed into this like i really urge people if you feel like you have a narcissist in your life there's plenty of psychiatrists on youtube that i really trust um who give really great information and there's plenty of articles i just think it's good to protect oneself and i hate to say it because i know narcissists are people too but <laughs> man they can they can cause some damage. A narcissistic neighbor might be more obvious to pick out. It's like, oh, she has nothing to lose. Like, actually, she has something to gain from kicking you out of your apartment. And so she's just fully narcissistic and aggressive. But when narcissists are in your life in a more intimate situation or relationship, their narcissism isn't as explicit. Like one thing I have to say about your Karen is that she's awful. But at the very least, she's honest about how fucking awful she is. Yeah, it was very easy to figure her out quickly and yeah. to go into um, fight or flight mode with her and just kind of prepare myself for, for what's to come versus the more sneaky types of narcissism that you might not be aware of. Yeah, like I, you were telling that story and I, I think I, re I just realized a neighbor I had for many years was like, a different type of, of neighbor narcissist. Like, but mm -hmm. she, I think she was too. Like she would, uh, she would wait until I had to pass by the lobby and basically unload her emotional baggage to me in a way that felt really inappropriate because I didn't know her very well. Like I literally was pleasant to her one time and then she just unloaded and like cried and like the first time. And then I started realizing that I think she did that to manipulate me into becoming something helpful for her in the committee. It all felt really strategic. Mm -hmm. There was something that irked me about her. And then I realized like with time that she wasn't being nice, like and, and open and emotional uh, genuinely. It was all a strategy for me mm -hmm. to help her vote for some stupid thing on the board, which like what she wanted to vote for was like kicking an, a person out of the building that like, I just felt so uncomfortable. That oh, she was wow. Me this it was stuff. all strategy. And that was very passive and that didn't hurt me very much, but that it was also like, I couldn't figure her out. And I knew there was something off 
but I couldn't figure what was wrong with her. And then I realized that she was just using me. Yeah. Um, in a very manipulative way. She wasn't mean. She was, she was, she became mean afterwards and started like being rude afterwards that when I was like, yeah, I don't really feel comfortable with this. And she became awful. But for a long time, she was like, it just felt off, but I couldn't figure out what it was. A lot of them have this pattern where they initially love bomb you. And that's an actual term used a lot in narcissism, more so in romantic relationships. But I think it also applies to friendships and even potentially your neighbor, but where they love bomb you and they mm -hmm. show you so much admiration. And it looks like it almost seems like they're your number one fan. Like they they shower you in compliments. They'll buy you gifts. They'll do acts of service. And you're like, oh, my God, what a wonderful person. Yeah. And then they turn. Yes. The that's moment what they feel. Yes. Right when they feel like they've got you or they want you, they turn, they use you for what they need to use you for, and then they discard you. It is a rinse and repeat, which is why a telltale sign of a narcissist is that they have a revolving door of friendships. Mm. Really pay attention to that. Typically, a real narcissist, and again, doesn't apply to everyone. Everything's a scale here, but, you know, a, a lot of the narcissists that I dealt with, friendship-wise, I kind of look and I'm like, ooh. They haven't kept the same groups of friends. Like, I don't even hear them ever talk about a best friend from childhood or anything. Like, they don't have their true blues. It's a revolving door of friendships for a reason. A lot of them do come from, from trauma and abuse in their childhoods. And, claro, I feel bad. You know, I empathize. I can understand why they are the person they are today. But at the same time... I've also learned in recent years after dealing with so many narcissists almost back to back is I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be a punching bag anymore. I'm so curious if any like, I don't know, narcissists out there, maybe listening to this podcast are like, yeah, no, I, I know. I know I have this thing and I go to therapy for it and I have to like control my urges to like act a certain way or to not empathize or to whatever. Like, I think you can learn your way and, and uh, train your way out of these like, you know, toxic behaviors, but it's like what is necessary there is self-awareness. And I think it's almost impossible to achieve self-awareness <laughs> If you are so afraid of like the darkness in you that you're just unable to look within. I don't know if you, you know of Red Table Talk, Jada Pinkett Smith's oh, yeah. show. They had on an incredible psychiatrist and you see her interview in real time, a rare occurrence where a narcissist, someone with NPD, is interviewed by her. Oh my God. It's actually pretty bone chilling. Wait, so they know they're a narcissist and they're okay with being interviewed by her? Yes. There are people even on TikTok who are known narcissists. Like, they're, they're, they are self-aware narcissists and they talk about it to educate others. But again, it's very rare. Wow. So for the, everyone listening, if you wanted to check out this doctor's YouTube channel, I've learned a lot from her. Her name is Dr. Romani. And she's really helped me understand narcissism on the various levels. Again, it's not, it's not black and white. There's so much to it that we can't yeah. possibly cover in this podcast. But when I was talking to my therapist about some of the narcissist friends that I've had to deal with, she told me flat out, she goes, in my practice, the only time I ever have narcissists as a patient is when it's court ordered. Oh my God. She said, usually narcissists will not ever say they're narcissists. It doesn't mean they're done, they're done on therapy. In fact, the narcissists in my life, they're all in therapy. They've all gone through excessive therapy for their traumas, but they'll talk to their therapist about their traumas and what was done to them. 
for the sake of healing. Mm -hmm. But my therapist was like, at the end of the day, though, we're not mind readers. So unless they're very self-aware, which is very rare in the narcissist brain, and they open up about how their narcissistic behavior is affecting others, we'll never know. Mm -hmm. We'll never know and we'll never be able to diagnose them properly because we're not mind readers. Right. Like therapists, the material your therapist receives to understand you is it literally comes from you. <laughs> like, it comes from you. That's the thing. So unless you're honest with them a 10,000 percent, they can't really help you. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sometimes I'm a little too honest with my therapist. Oh, me I too. Think. Sometimes I'm like, that was unnecessary. <laughs> like, I didn't have to go there. My biggest fear, Joanna, is being seen as someone with a big head or a big ego. And then with my therapist, I'm like, do you think I'm a narcissist? She's like, the fact that you even asked that question is a sign that you're not. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I was afraid for a bit because like I respond weirdly to like attacks on my person. And this has changed, but like when someone would say something brutally honest that I was insecure about, like you're hypersensitive. I would cry and like lash out and be like, no, I'm not. That's ADHD though. Oh, really? Damn. Okay. Well, never mind. I guess I'm not a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that rejection you're talking about, that shitty feeling after you're criticized, especially about your person, a lot of that is from the ADHD side of things, the rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, and like emotional deregulation. That's not because you think you're some hot shit and how dare someone insult you. That's not where your brain is at. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is every person in the world has negative traits. I have negative traits. Of course. I'm scared of them sometimes because... I don't want to be worse than what I think I am. And I think the difference is I'm afraid of the darkness in myself because I'm afraid it might be true. Like, oh my God, what if these things are true? Like, what if I'm selfish? What if I'm, you know? But narcissists, they look at those things and say, there's no way that is true. <laughs> Fuck off. No. Yeah. And that makes it impossible for self-reflection. I always say like going into that part of your brain, the dark side, it's like going into a forest with a tiny flashlight and you're like, okay, I'll just look around a little bit. <laughs> Never mind, going home. <laughs> but sometimes you got to camp out there to really yeah. get what the fuck the forest is. That is what it's like talking to a narcissist. It's like, did you spend any time at all in your darkness? It all comes down to fear, I think. I mean, maybe I'm being too nice to them. Well, like, I think they're just afraid of, of themselves. Again, it comes down to the fear that you'll eventually see through them and then see their imperfections and then judge them, which leads to rejection. So they're like constantly afraid of being found out mm -hmm. because then it'll lead to abandonment. And you know what's crazy? It's like one of the things I looked at is people who have had narcissistic parents because you're talking about intimacy and how these people have revolving doors. Well, you can't fucking revolve door a baby. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. you can't. You can't reject your son or daughter away from your life, really. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. you could abandon them, but like, if you don't, then what type of relationship? And, and that's what's interesting is that relationships with narcissists and their children are so different. Yes. It's all about themselves and how the kid reflects them. Yes. And it's not about respecting the, the kid as an individual, but as an extension of themselves. And that's not love, really. <laughs> No. And it's the story I told about my friend and, and her, her mom. Yeah. I have several other friends. I suspect their moms and dads were narcissists because, because the way that they acted now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that is not love. Like, I thought that was love. It's like, oh, she really is involved in like, like, muy metida en su vida and, and almost like dictatorial in nature of what she did in her life. And then the moment they like had a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, they acted out.
because they felt like this person was was abandoning them. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're born, your parents are your parents. You don't question your parents until you're older. When you look through some of these stories, it's interesting to see these people come to the realization so much later in life. And that's why I think it's important to research it because it's different relationship to relationship again narcissistic parents are going to be different than being married to a narcissist dating a narcissist having a friend who's a narcissist a co-worker a boss a neighbor it's not one size fits all and again there's different types of narcissism there's even something called histrionic personality disorder what is that essentially this disorder has to do with self-esteem a lot of it depends on approval of others they have an overwhelming desire to be noticed and this is where i think they kind of stand out from like typical npd description is that they behave dramatically or inappropriately to get attention sometimes even sexually like they'll say something sexually inappropriate at work or something it's weird but there's there's someone that i dealt with in recent years that my therapist again giving me the disclaimer of like i'm not officially diagnosing this person but based on everything that i've read and what you tell me it seems like this person has histrionic personality disorder which is it borderlines on narcissistic personality disorder but it's its own thing so there's just so much to learn Wow. Oh my God. I know someone who has histrionic narcissism. Yeah. Holy shit. Every time she showed up, even if it was like a tiny breakfast with like one other person, it just, it became like telenovela level drama. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what are the odds? And I'm like, no, the odds are that she's unstable. Yeah. There's definitely an instability because there's different clusters of personality disorders and Histrionic and narcissistic fall under cluster B, under dramatic and erratic behavior. Oh my God, I'm dramatic and erratic. (laughs) Sorry, I always, every time I look at like psychological disorders, I always question like, oh my God, do I have? (laughs) Well, the other two that fall under that are antisocial personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. Oh no, no, I I definitely don't. I I will say this though. Mm -hmm. One of the people I love most in this world definitely has a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. It's so weird because when I go to therapy and I talk about things that have happened with this person, they're not in my family. So it's an easy out to be like, get the fuck out of my life. Mm-hmm. I can't. I love them so much and I've known them my whole life. And I just am like, oh, I, f- I figured out how to deal with this very unstable personality disordered person. It's interesting because this person had a really difficult childhood and, and I saw mm-hmm. it. I saw the difficult childhood. I saw everything that happened firsthand. Yeah. So it, it almost felt like watching a movie of someone that then becomes a villain. It's like the Joker. It's like, oh, here's the origin story. Okay, yeah. I can empathize. <laughs> and they're, I think they're not a bad person. I think that they just coped with trauma in a way that was unhealthy, mm-hmm. therefore act out toxically. But I think that doesn't make them a bad person. I love them. And now they're self-aware and they're going to therapy and it's a lot better. But for many years, that wasn't the case. So what I'm saying is people are complex. And yes, there's the neighbor Karens, which are like, I don't think that you can save this woman. I think she's just going to be your person ghost until you move out. Well, one quick thing I will say that is typically a surefire way to handle a narcissist in your life. There's a term called gray rocking. Uh, Jenny, you know so many terms. That I'm like, I feel sad. And you're like, that's actually not sadness. That is remote <laughs> disorder of the dysphoria. That's when you do this. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know. I, I itch. That's actually not itching. That is a reflection of your ADHD in a way that is perform. Like, I, I don't know how you know all these things. I just know like feelings. 
My ear itches. That means that someone's talking about you. <laughs> it's almost the same, but like scientific. Um, but gray rocking is essentially exactly what it sounds like. Be as boring and uninteresting as possible. If you look it up, it's all over the place. Every psychiatrist who specializes in narcissistic personality disorder will bring it up because it is one of the best ways to handle a narcissist. It's easier when it's like someone that you can easily detach from, like a friend or a coworker, right? Narcissists want the drama. Oh. View them as energy vampires. If they are seeking this type of drama or visceral reaction from you, it almost feeds them. But if you're just like, mm-hmm, yeah, cool. Just give them nothing. It's not even a person. It's just like, just be, just be someone that's programmed to, to interact. Yeah, it's like, it's like you're in the woods and you see a bear and you play dead. That's literally the same shit. The narcissist is this hungry bear in the woods and you're like, I'm just gonna wow. play dead. Shut the f They'll, they'll come board. around, they'll sniff around and then they're like, fuck, this person's boring. They're not giving me what I need. I'm gonna move on to the next victim. Right, because the drama, mm -hmm. I think, distracts them from themselves. Yes, it usually drives them away. I actually did that accidentally, I think, to someone that was <gasps> definitely a narcissist. There's this woman that works at my beauty salon. I don't know why she still works there. She's for sure a fucking narcissist. Like, everyone knows it. And I just let her talk because it's just a transactional experience. Yes. I just have to sit there and wait and then leave. And every time she's at the salon, I'm like, Fuck! Oh my god. Uh, yeah, they, they, I, they're, they're energy suckers, man. Horrible. And it sucks when you have this level of awareness that they don't even have about themselves. And a lot of times you end up learning the hard way when someone's a narcissist. Because again, I had a couple of friends and after a couple of occasions and situations, I'm like, this isn't normal. This isn't healthy. This isn't good. And then you try to reason with them. That's when I started noticing they could be a narcissist because when you tried to reason with them, when you tried to get them to see your point of view, they do not know how to empathize in any way. They lash out. They still find a way to place the blame on you. They make you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. There's all these different things. And you're like, oh, I can't reason with this person at all yeah that's what i start noticing in certain people like oh i'm gonna have to gray rock because there's no other way around it is it called gray rock because you become a statue i think it's like yeah you just become like a boring little rock and gray is a boring color yo i'm gonna try that out i i physically can't sometimes <laughs> gray rock but i'll try you have to for the sake of surviving a narcissist sometimes you know i love our discussion but i think i want to say the obvious, which is my knowledge of psychology is 20 minutes on Wikipedia. So I'm not an expert on any of this, but I do love exploring it. Like I, in college, I wanted to potentially minor in psychology to understand people better, but it was a lot of work. So I decided not to. Yeah, uh, same. Honestly, I was always very interested in psychology because again, as I've talked in past episodes, I had full-blown obsessive compulsive disorder as a child, severe anxiety, and now I have, you know, PMDD and ADHD. And I'm always questioning how my mind works and how the minds of others work. And again, this isn't something I throw around lightly. I make sure to do as much research as I can and listen and follow different psychiatrists who specialize in this for me to come to the best conclusion that I can. And again, like you're saying, we're not doctors. I cannot ever 
properly diagnose anybody. But at the same time, I think it's good for us to be aware, to educate ourselves, because it could really help us navigate these very difficult relationships with these people. I'm going to talk to my therapist about this more. I'm always so, I love conversations with my therapist. Sometimes I forget he's my therapist and I just want to make sure he has a good time. And I like end up talking about foreign films that I don't give a fuck about just to make, just so that he, I just want to be the person that he's like, oh my God, I got Joanna today. It's going to be a really fun 50 minutes. (laughs) And I, I, I guess that's not how I should see therapy as, but anyway, Dr. Pablo, hopefully you're listening to this episode. That would be weird, I guess. But uh, if we're wrong about anything, you'll let me know in our therapy session. (laughs) 